0: Well, so here we are, Christmas 2019. For some of us, that's like two or three. For some of us, that's a few more, right? If you are newer visiting, welcome. We've been in a series called From, Major, From Majesty to Manger. And a lot of you have been irked with what was going on with that throne. And tonight it finally dawned on you, ah, oh, that's how it works. So that's really good. I pointed out um, earlier that Christmas just has what I call... A special tone to it. Just um, the season, the music, the lights, the decoration, the food. Just, uh, there's just something special or other about it. It is, at its best, a season of awe and a season of hope. I ask the questions, have you ever been awed by something that God has done in your life? Have you ever been awed by the presence of God in your life? We've said that awe is kind of its own special category in the Bible. You can't really look up a lot of verses that have awe in it, and yet awe is all through the Bible. And it's right here that should produce in us a deep sense of awe. The King of Righteousness, the King of Peace, has left His heavenly throne... And now occupies a manger. The majesty of God stripped down and condensed into a baby. We've been trying to emphasize through this series how Jesus gave up His royal privileges and accepted an assignment from His Father to come and to be among us. One like us, born into our image and nature and yet possessing the very nature of God at the same time. Born humbly. Born to express God's love towards us. Born to rescue us. To save us, as the Christmas song says, from Satan's power when we had gone astray. And we, like the rest of the Christian world, are celebrating His arrival. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Really, it's an anniversary, if you think about it. We've seen and heard the story through our children tonight. And we can reach back through the archives of prophetic history to see the story unfold. The very first indicator goes all the way back to the very first stories in the Bible, the Garden of Eden. And after Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord spoke this to them. And He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He was talking to the serpent. And He says, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head but you shall bruise his heel. And it predicts that the Messiah would be bruised by Satan, as we know Jesus was, but that the Messiah would crush Satan and his kingdom. We know that if you go a little further on in Scripture, Noah was a prototype of a Messiah by his building of the ark and the survival of the human race. And the next time we see a Messiah prophetically highlighted is with Abraham. When God called them out of Haran and told them to go to Canaan, He said to Abraham, And I will make a great nation of you, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God goes further. It didn't just stop there, telling Abraham that, through his seed, a son, the blessing would flow. And God promised that he would have a son. A son, a son of promise. That would be his heir and that his descendants would be more numerous than the stars of the sky. It says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God came back and he doubled down on his promise to Abraham for a son It was quite a stretch. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. Gals, just put yourself in that place. This baby, Isaac, foreshadowed and was a forerunner of the Messiah. God asked in a dramatic object lesson that most of us wouldn't volunteer for, for Abraham to sacrifice his son on an altar. Isaac so famously asked as they were going up the mountain, he said, Father, I see the fire and I see the wood. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham, even more famously, responds, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And it was so. God stayed Abraham's hand. And when it was done, they found a ram with its horn caught in the thicket. And that was a foreshadowing that another would take that place and stand in our stead an obvious prediction that the Messiah would die for the sins of the people through the promised Son. The next prototype is a famous one, Moses. Most people know Moses, who God used to deliver his people, and of whom Moses himself said, when he was speaking about the one to come, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers, and it is to him that you shall listen, just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb. The next reference comes when it's talking about the Messiah. doesn't even come from a Hebrew prophet, but rather comes from a Mesopotamian prophet called by a Moabite king named Balak to curse Israel as they were about to come into the Promised Land. The prophet Balaam actually hears from the Holy Spirit instead of cursing Israel, prophesies and bless them and says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab, and it shall break down all the sons of Sheph. This prophecy is significant because it occurred as Israel was about to enter into the promised land. All those years in the desert. A ruler... This, by the way, is where Israel as a nation began to develop the idea that the Messiah would be a conquering hero. You see that in the scepter there. Then, of course, there's King David, the psalmist, the man after God's own heart, who was another prototype and foreshadower of the Messiah. The ruling Messiah idea was furthered quite a bit, not only by David's career, but also by the things that he he wrote, that he prophesied. Such as Psalm 2, which carries on this scepter theme. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. And later David prophesies again with a quote that Jesus actually uses uh, in his controversies when the Pharisees, when he says this, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, well, he's the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David, in the spirit, calls him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And Jesus then asks him the question, if David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? Well, with hindsight, it's pretty easy for us to see that the Messiah would be born out of the line and the lineage of David and thus be both his son and his Lord all at the same time. It's interesting to note that they missed the implications of Psalm 22, which was also written by David. This has a little different tone to it. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd; My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet, and I can count all my bones." They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. The clues were always there. But we have the wonderful advantage of hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty isn't it? The current always looks like mud. And we have the chance to look back and see what they couldn't. But this includes the clues of his predicted coming. None of which stands out more than Isaiah. Isaiah, the prophet, so famously prophesied about the one who would come and says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is what's known in Scripture as a telescoping prophecy that had both a fulfillment in Isaiah's time, and then also a fulfillment, a telescope to the fulfillment of Jesus' coming, 700 years after Isaiah. The first had to do with King Ahaz and Isaiah telling him to ask God for a sign. And Ahaz wouldn't do it, and so Isaiah said, God himself will give you a sign. And then this telescopes to the New Testament era. Mary overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. Becomes pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and conceives a son. They were to call him Jesus. Jesus, the name, means one who would save his people from their sins. Isaiah so beautifully wraps up the entire survey that we've just taken with probably his most famous prophecy. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Stop for a second and look at the titles applied To this child. The term wonderful counselor. In Colossians, it tells us that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Our world is scurrying around and running in a hundred million different directions. But there's still a counselor available if you will take the time to seek Him out. Mighty God. Notice this title. We must differ with other friends and people who say that Jesus either became a God or thought He could be God, this says and tells us that He was God. That He was God Almighty. The next title, Everlasting Father, extends that and says not only is He God Almighty, but He will be God Almighty everlasting. He will be the everlasting Father. And the last, the Prince of Peace. This is a title to latch on to for us in our day. Jesus knows how to bring peace even in the midst of storms. His presence brings peace. Why is this title so important, so, so necessary to lean on in our times? Because as Simeon would prophesy in the temple over this child, this child would be the cause of the rise and fall of many in Israel. And that has proven to be very true. But not tonight. Tonight, all is quiet. There are no threats. A mother heals. A baby sleeps. Joseph protects. Shepherds come and adore and tell of strange visitations by angels. There is no turmoil tonight. That is for the future. No, tonight things are well. Let this soak into your spirit as this song is sung for us tonight.